I'm just loving the snowplow noises. Mm. So good, right? Uh, Perfect way to record a podcast. Yeah. In the middle of winter. podcast about the challenges and joys of staying in a trans-cis relationship. I'm Aubrey and I use she, her, hers pronouns. I'm planning a trip to GDC. I'm Vicky and I use she, her, hers pronouns. I just bought a robot for a cat that I don't have yet. So how you doing? I'm great. I'm excited to be podcasting. I'm back in the podcast groove because I'm back in the podcast groove at work and I'm back in the podcast groove in my personal life. So, uploading podcasts gives me life and joy. So, I'm doing well. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, actually. I don't know. Just a lot of stuff is going good. Like, I'm also feeling the energy of all the podcasts. Uh, We just got the website up. And that's super fancy and cool. Um, It's not like... It's literally just a landing page, but it feels so good to have like an actual thing there with all of our links there because that's like the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, I'm really feeling it. Things are coming together at work, like I'm working on some new screens for career and they're finally starting to look like actual screens. So that's nice. And uh, I just got a scholarship to GDC and... I'm scrambling to put a last-minute trip together because I didn't think I was going to go. Yeah, we basically decided that, okay, nothing for GDC worked out this year. You're not going. And then all of a sudden, yesterday, they're like, hey, you should come. Yeah. So that's a thing that we're dealing with. So what are we doing today? Well, we're going to talk about love languages today. And the five standard ones that you get in the book from Gary Chapman. But also there are three other ones that we came across in a blog post by Span of Your Hips. And uh, we're going to kind of go over some of those things and how we feel about each other. Yeah, so as a little bit of backstory about The Five Love Languages, if you're not familiar, it's a book by Gary Chapman who is a Christian minister counselor who was seeing patterns with his clients. And he basically boiled all of their problems down to these five basic love languages. They're ways of um, basically ways that people receive and understand love. Um, And by extension, they are ways that people can give love. And what he, what his basic premise of the book, if you don't want to buy it, is that people normally talk in the love language that they want to receive. And a lot of times your partner does not receive love in the language that you're talking in. So the best way to figure out 
um, how to show each other love is to figure out the other person's love language and then talk to them in that language. And this is what I mean. So the five love languages are receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. And these are very large umbrella terms that encompass a lot of stuff. Like receiving gifts is anything from like receiving a flower when you're, you know, from your partner when they walk home from work, they like see a flower and pick it for you. To like, I literally feel the most loved when someone purchases me a yacht. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's not the, it's not necessarily the gift that is the love language. It's the um, action of thinking about the person and do, taking action on thinking about that person by getting them something that says, hey, I was was uh, thinking about you and I love you. And here is the response to that love. Yeah, I mean, they're really wide and encompassing of lots of things. So receiving gifts is receiving any gift. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, the thought of thinking about, the, the action of thinking about the other person and getting them something. And that that actual feeling that happens when a person does that for you is um, the receiving gifts language. It's kind of like the typical thing that is expressed in like video games. Mm-hmm. Like you'll see that really easy because in like uh, Harvest Moon or Stardew Valley or even like World of Warcraft, like fetch a thing, give it to the person, they're happier with you. Like yeah. it is a very goal object oriented thing that can be tracked in programming systems so that's why it tends to show up in that way but it's also in like romance and whatnot um like our movies and things and our romance stories you're always thinking about oh i'm gonna get the girl flowers and maybe get them chocolates and our whole like commerce system like that one works really well to get people to buy stuff, and so it gets advertised a lot. Yeah. I mean, Valentine's Day is a really good example of the giving and receiving gifts sort of holiday. Literally, the purpose of that holiday is to show love by giving gifts. It's almost placed on a higher pedestal because of commercialism and because of consumerism. The, the narrative in movies is usually find the thing that the girl wants the most and give it to her and then she'll be in love with you forever because it's so thoughtful and so meaningful that, you know, ah, oh, this is your grandmother's shawl that she wore on her wedding day and I have had it restored for you to its beautiful glory. And, ah, because I gave you the, the grandmother's shawl I hit a wedding ring in there and you're going to marry me. You're going to wear the shawl at our wedding. Yeah. Basically, you understand what receiving gifts is. But quality time, like it gets increasingly more complex the deeper you go into this because quality time is different for everybody. Sometimes it means making sure that you carve out a specific amount of time for someone. Sometimes it means... um Sometimes it means that you are doing a specific thing together. Like, I really like skydiving with my wife, which is not a thing. I You do not. I do not like that. 
I would not do that. I have done that, and it's a problem that I have done that, and how I did it, and all of the things. But that's a story for another time. Yeah. Anyway, quality time. How would you explain quality time? For me, it is it's being able to connect with somebody. It's being able to just be in the presence of another person and not really have any distractions. It can be a conversation that you're having around the kitchen table. It can be you're out playing roller derby together. It could be that you're going on a vacation. It, it kind of is any number of things, but a lot of it is I am specifically spending time with this person. That feels special. And that is kind of one of the love languages that works for me. But um, as we'll probably see as we go through this, uh, I don't think either Vicky or me, like either of us, um, fall into one single love language, which seems to be the prescriptive thing here. So basically what you find out when you read the book is that all of these things mean different things to different people. And so you basically have an umbrella language and then what that specifically means to your partner is something that you need to find out and work on and work with. The next one is words of affirmation. And this one is a little bit hard to pin down because sometimes words of affirmation means literally like giving compliments, making, you know, telling someone that they are doing well or that you're happy with them or things like that. But it can also mean just kind and loving language towards a person. I fall into this category quite a bit. When someone says the right thing to me, it feels really special and I can feel love from that. So I understand what where people could need words of affirmation as a love language. However, it's very difficult for a partner to know exactly how to talk to someone whose whose love language is words of affirmation because it's not a straightforward all right, I have given Vicky three compliments today. So that means that she feels 40% more loved. Okay. Like it doesn't really work that way. And so it's really hard to, unlike receiving gifts, it's really hard to see the transaction happening or make sure that the transaction is being felt. Yeah. I mean, some of the things that they talk about in order to do the words of affirmation like love is to kind of come up with a list of things, a list of compliments and things that you notice about your partner that you can tell them and you kind of just go back and pull from that list and go through there. I personally, even though words of affirmation is one of my love languages, I would personally feel like you are gamifying it if you did it that way. Like right. if you just kept a journal and it's like, Vicky's ass looks great. Cool. All right. I'm going to tell you later. That would be, that but, would but not work not, for me. But that's not how I approach it, right? Like, yeah. I might have that list and then I'm like, oh, what has been going on recently? And what, like, let's, let's match some things about what's going on with what I've thought about in the past. Cause it's like a lot of, it's like writing your list of NPC names, but it's not as simple as just like grab that NPC and cross it off. It's like you have to actually come up with, like a backstory for them and like kind of go into it and all of those things. It's just a little bit of preparation ahead of time. 
But it's not as simple as like just crossing off a, a compliment from a little. It's not as simple as being like, your hair looks good. Or the way that you handled that person at the grocery store was really calm and collected. You did not punch them even one time. I do it by like connecting with that feeling in me of like, no, I really love this about you. Like this particular thing. And like, those are nice things to kind of store away. Cause it's not like, I don't know. Like, I'm still working through it. Um, how would you describe acts of service? Acts of service are one of those things that's like, hey, I just need you to do things for me. You have mentioned that some of this you feel. Mm-hmm. But, like, they can be as simple as chores around the house. I need you to do the dishes. I need you to do the laundry. I need you to do these things regularly and consistently. I can't just have you do stuff outside I need you to pick up inside as well and like that can be an important piece like whatever it is that this person has to do on a regular basis if you can take some of that off their plate that is often an acts of service but also sometimes it can be do these things together with me mm-hmm. like hey I like it when we do the dishes together and if the person has quality time and acts of service cooking dinner or doing the dishes or making a game out of those things and like kind of having a fun time together can combine some of those love languages together. But see, again, acts of service is super tricky. It, yeah, pay attention if your partner is like making you a honey-do list. Like acts of service might be really important to them and it's not just them trying to be like, okay, if you don't fix the door hinge, I am, you know... I'm moving out of the house and I'm burning it to the ground. It's mostly like, hey, I will feel like things are put in their place. That That's actually uh, a lot of the way that I feel about our house. Like if we can keep everything at a certain level of cleanliness and at a certain level of tidiness, my brain just feels better. And so, yeah, pay attention to people with, uh, if your partner has anxiety Acts of service could be super important and super soothing in a way that they feel loved. Yeah, because you may not even know what you need at that point. It just, oh, look, the kitchen is fully cleaned up. When you walk out in the morning and all of a sudden you have a lot more energy than you thought you would and, like, are ready to start your creative day. Like, if your partner is a creative person, and I need a lot more space for that stuff. Do you feel this when... Like, we have projects around the house, and you are like, okay, we need to do all these things, and we start making progress on those things. Do you kind of feel this acts of service starting to happen and approaching those things? I don't know, because inherently, all of these things are completely entwined. Like, going to Target with a list in hand and getting the objects that we need to do a project and bringing them home. Like, that's combining... Uh, quality time that's receiving I mean I guess it's kind of receiving gifts and we have we have mingled money so receiving gifts fiscally is a little bit impossible but yeah it's it's all of those things and then you put in acts of service where you build me a bookshelf and I get to put all the stuff on it like and then the project is complete that's very fulfilling that, that makes me feel very loved and the the one thing that we fall into trouble with is you feel very exhausted by shopping and by running errands. And I feel very, inv- 
invigorated by shopping and running errands and getting stuff checked off a list. So it's a little bit hard when I'm like, I need this part. Like, I need these needs met. Um, and you're like, I'm happy to meet those needs, but it's going to take a lot of energy out of me. And then I feel inherently like I'm forcing you to do something that is difficult for you to do just so that I can feel accomplished. But at the same time, if I am freely offering those things up, if, if I'm like, yeah, let's do this, like, I'm on board. But then after we get home, like, I need some space. Like, yeah. That is okay. And also, just because it's hard for me to do that does not mean that I shouldn't do it. It means that, no, that is, that's just one of those things that I sacrifice to show love to you. Like, it is harder for me, but I do it because I love you and I know it's important to you. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there, you can see the real cost. It's not like, oh yes, this is super easy for me and super nice for me to just go do those things, but also like we're in sync and everything goes together. I don't know. It can also be as simple as like, hey, you, uh, you like remembered to make a grocery list. Mm-hmm. Like those are the types of things. So the last one is physical touch. I think everybody, again, everybody needs all of these love languages to appear in their life. Uh, I think what Gary Chapman's sort of getting at is that some people have a primary love language. And physical touch is everything from being really touchy and huggy and cuddling and snuggling and doing all that stuff all the way up to sex. Like he pointed out that a lot of his male parishioners, clients, uh, he was a priest, Mm. all the, the people that he was counseling who were male identifying would say that, Oh, physical touch is totally my thing because I only feel love if I have sex. And he, he always had to challenge them to be like, Okay, stop. Take a step back. Physical touch might be your primary, but um, I challenge you to look a little deeper and be like, okay, is it always sex that when you feel love? Sometimes you feel love from a massage or sometimes you feel love from getting your back scratched or just snuggling or holding hands or things like that. So physical touch is probably important to you. Uh, so those are the basics of the five love languages. Do you have anything to add about physical touch that I didn't really get to? I mean, physical touch can be one of those things that like, it can be really draining if you don't get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's how all of these love languages work is that if you're not feeling loved in your, in your primary love language, then it's like, it's like multiplied mm-hmm. what, you, what you're not feeling. So like your, your depression is just like five times higher or something than if you're not feeling loved in all of these other love languages. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up. Your, your friends who feel physical touch love might be way more touchy feely than you're used to. Mm-hmm. They might want to hold hands or, or just hold on a little longer when you get a hug mm-hmm. or they always want to hug for you and all those things. So when you take the quiz, take it with a grain of salt because you also get to know yourself better than this quiz. So you basically get to choose which love language is your primary love language. So which love language do you think you are? I think that I am 
quality time. Okay. And then your secondary would be? Probably physical touch. This was actually hard for me to take because my primary is receiving gifts and my secondary is words of affirmation. And it feel like that feels really bad to me because I don't want to think of myself as someone who wants things. But then I kind of had to redefine what receiving gifts meant because as much as I love, you know, thoughtful little gifts or whatever, if they don't mean anything, then they don't work. Which, as far as the original definition, is not what that is. Yeah. Like any gift is supposed to be pretty much okay right. for a person who feels lovely. And that's not how that is for me. Like, if you, if you bring me home a bouquet of random flowers, I will feel thought of. And that's, that's half of it. But if you bring me home a bouquet, like one single of my favorite flower or a bouquet of flowers from our wedding, or um, if you bring me home my favorite chocolate, or if you, you know, if you do things for a specific purpose that are specific to me, it, it, mul- it multiplies the quality of the gift sure. and it multiplies the ability to feel love. Yeah. So... I didn't feel like I was solidly in any of these. I felt I was like between a bunch. And so it often felt like it was very uh, heterosexual oriented. Like it's all man and woman. Like none of these are gendered necessarily, but they all seem to be coming at it in that direction. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it constantly feels like, like it constantly felt like I wasn't being seen Mm -hmm. when I was listening to the book. Yeah. Even his examples were gendered. He's like, yeah. Susie really only loves, you know, quality time. And Benny is only feels love through physical touch. And Susie, you know, whatever. And really, I know that 100% he's trying to help people. But yeah, he was coming at it from a very cishet way of looking at things. And he was also uh, putting a Christian value slant on it. Yeah. Which these love languages are for everyone. Like, they Mm -hmm. totally work with all of the people. And some people that I know fall very solidly in one of these first five. But we thought that there was more. And uh, we started doing some research. And we found a blog post by a person who goes by uh, the username Span of Her Hips. And it talked about three other love languages, which are... So it's the Span of My Hips blog, and uh, we tried to find her name, but basically her bio is, she's a queer white femme from Canada who likes bike rides, swimming in the ocean, and being in the forest when it's raining. So that's what we know about her. I'm sure if we did a lot more um, focused digging, we could probably figure out who she is. But yeah, check out her blog, spanofmyhips.com. So the three that she added were acts of solidarity and belief, acts of emotional labor, and commitment to personal healing and growth. Yeah. I think because she's queer, she this is much more geared toward queer people, and I think it's much more geared toward people who have a much more complex understanding of what a relationship means. Yeah, because you have to like completely deconstruct what is going on in the relationship in order to understand two women being together or two men being together or two people who don't identify as any gender. Like, yeah, 
ask two ace people who are, ask two ace people who are in a relationship who's the man, and then just get some really funny. Or an arrow and a allosexual person, like, who are in a relationship and how that dynamic needs to work. So, acts of solidarity and belief, um, yeah, basically this is coming to each other's aid, uh, coming to each other's defense, believing people when they talk about their experiences and uh, having... Creating space and keeping space for people is basically how that boils down. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the one that I identify with the most strongly. When we found these, I was like, oh, yes, this is totally me. Mm-hmm. Because it, it often shows up when there you're in a relationship where there's a mismatch in privilege. And you need the person who has different privileges to really understand what what it is that like you feel mm-hmm. and to like stick up and be on your side always. Like that's, that's the kind of thing that really makes me feel loved when somebody gets up there and it's like, Hey, no, her pronouns are she, her, mm-hmm. or you meant, you meant Aubrey, not dead name. Like that has never happened, but that's, that's the type of thing that feels really good. Or when I'm not in the room, when somebody goes out of their way to educate other people so that I don't have to. Yeah. And then the next one is acts of emotional labor. This is the deep stuff. This is the listening and having really hard conversations with each other and being able to, I mean, I think a lot of females out there know what emotional labor is. It's difficult to describe, but you know when you're doing it. You know what I'm saying? It's those mental acrobatics that you have to do. It's the figuring out how, like moving your money around in your head or figuring out how people are uh, all going to be okay with the accommodations that you're working out for a family trip. You're right, it's really hard to explain these things, but like a lot of times it's the self-care. It's the like extra pieces that you have to do in order to get through the day. Yeah. A lot of times when people come to you and say, I just need to get this off my chest, and then they proceed to word vomit at you, you are you are doing emotional labor for that person. You yeah. are you are the sounding board, but you're also taking on part of their crisis in order to make them feel better. And some people really thrive on doing this and some people are really drained by doing this and I think that people don't realize that this is actually a skill and this is actually a big deal to do for people yeah because femme socialized people are often trained to do this Mm -hmm. um, trained to listen and to um, try and support people and that training are some of the like the basis of what forms your emotional skills and none of the people who don't have those can really tell that they don't have it they just think that other people are like better at that for some reason some like talent that they have Mm -hmm. and it's not a talent as much as it is a skill Mm -hmm. and then the last one is commitment to personal healing and growth i think anybody over 30 um really desires this in a partner and desires this in a partnership. 
that you're trying to create something better for yourselves together. So personal healing is um, looking at your old wounds and figuring out where they came from and what they're doing to you and how they show up in your life and working on them. And growth is personal growth, emotional growth, um, growth together, and also just making sure that you're constantly learning and evolving as a human being. This one is really important to me. I believe it's also really important to you. Is that right? Yeah. All three of these are super important to me. Uh, So for me, if I had to pick a primary and secondary, I would pick acts of solidarity and personal healing and growth would be my secondary. Yeah, I think I would pick those as well. I mean, honestly... You would pick acts of solidarity as well? I always pegged you for... Like, when we read this originally... I thought you had said that you were more of an emotional labor person. No. Commitment to personal healing and growth is my primary. Uh, and then the other two are pretty much equal. Oh, I see. I always understood why you were connected in the other ones was because of like emotional labor. Mm-hmm. Because acts of service make sense for you when it takes emotional labor off of your plate. And... Gifts make sense for you when it makes you feel seen. Mm-hmm. So I guess like in those ways, like that's when they do feel good to you. And when you're not getting those things, those love languages feel like fall a little flat. So, I mean, Gary Chapman would say that these three newer ones are combinations. Yeah, probably. Um, combinations. Of, hybrids. Yeah. And really, you you could boil these down to um, the more basic versions. But, I mean, yeah, your face, I know. Yeah, I just, you don't I have just to disagree. Yeah. Like, I feel like these are, these are primary components, despite living in the intersection of a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you don't see in the heterosexual relationships that he analyzed, is that there's not as much intersection overlap Mm-hmm. as there are in queer relationships where identities are just colliding with each other and there's a lot smaller or a lot more spaces of overlap in all of those circles. Mm-hmm. So what do we do really well? What do we do really well with each other's love languages? I think once we started looking at these and we started talking about them and identifying like where we fall, and we started understanding what the other person needed a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is a really important thing that we clued into that like, oh, Vicky is upset because of X, Y, Z. And I, I totally understand why that's a big deal rather than I don't get why she's upset that I didn't think of the shopping list this morning or like whatever the thing is. It makes a lot more sense now. I don't know if that means that we do a great job at showing these things because we're kind of using it as a tool and not as like a primary piece that we're, that like is prescriptive. Yeah. As with anything that you discover on a self-help shelf, this is a tool and not the whole story. I think you are really good at knowing why in retrospect something went wrong. I think you're really good at figuring out why I like figuring out my love languages and why the love languages are important to me and all of those things. But I don't think you're good at 
doing them ahead of time, like doing them in the moment. You're good at following up. Like, oh, I did something opposite of the way that Vicky would have wanted me to do it. And so I'm going to do it the other way now. So I'm not being as proactive as I Right. It's not even about that. It's not even about you being proactive. It's about being reactive. But the behavior that you described is me being reactive. Yeah. And you would like me to be more proactive, is what it sounds like. No, I would like you to do it without needing to prescribe. Yeah, it needs to not be prescriptive. I'm losing track of this a little bit. If you forget to make the grocery list, you're great at being like, oh, Vicky is upset that I didn't make the grocery list. And then you make it. But I'm already upset. Rather than being like, oh, this is a really easy and fast thing that I can do really quick before anything gets out of control. And then you do it. I would say that you are in the same sort of place with me. (laughs) Because... You kind of get to a place where you just stumble into, oh, no, that put Aubrey in shame. Okay, I don't know what to do now. How are we working to find better ways to communicate? I think we work at communicating by kind of taking it a little bit at a time, kind of checking in with each other again, and just keeping in mind what is important to each other as we are listening, because listening is what allows us to begin to learn the other person's love language, because we don't feel it the same way that the other person does. Like, you don't feel my love language the same way I do. Right. So we just try and talk about it. We try and have an open dialogue. We try and, when it feels bad, we try and return to it when we can talk about it and keeping that conversation open is often a big tool that we have in our kit. How do you think that we're working on communicating better and doing that? I mean, I think we get better at it the more we talk about it. Um, And as much as it pains me to say, I think we get better at it the more we stumble into each other's pain places because then we we know where the boundary of that is and all those things. Um, But also dealing with our own shit helps us deal with other people's shit. And so just working on ourselves helps us understand and be more empathetic and be more, put more energy into the other person. I totally agree. Um, and understanding ourselves helps us know why things are happening, mm-hmm. helps us understand why we're super drained or why we're not feeling love, and then gives us more tools to say, oh, hey, I need this very specific thing from you that I'm not getting. Mm -hmm. Because before I knew that I felt love that way, I didn't even know what was wrong. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to start fixing it. And now that I know, oh, I need somebody to visibly stand up with me. I need people to trust me and to actually see what's going on for me. I can tell that when I don't talk to anybody at work for a long time, I get really down. I can tell that when I just constantly have a mismatch with somebody, that it feels like we're on entirely different planets and that I am completely isolated. So, I I don't know. Just knowing yourself allows you to help the other person love you in the right way, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I feel like 
the thing that Gary Chapman was always trying to make the goal was to learn the other person's love language and to talk to them in, in their love language. When it's equally important to learn your own love language and to know what things are good for you and what are what things are going to work for you so you can actually ask for them and so that you can actually be like, hey, I need physical touch. I know you're not much of a cuddler, but if we don't cuddle, I'm going to lose my mind. Like we need to have regular cuddle dates and that needs to be a part of our relationship. I mean, it goes into like negotiation yeah. of the terms of your relationship. That's something that he didn't get into. That's another thing that like... I mean, he talks about it a little bit because mm-hmm. they, they kind of have conversation back and forth. And the, those therapy sessions that, that he's like, the counseling sessions that he runs are hey, you're negotiating one thing and she's negotiating the other things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But he doesn't pull it apart and be like, hey, knowing you is going to help you ask for the things you need. He just does the process. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you ready for random questions? Yeah. Okay, why were you initially attracted to me? I was attracted to you because you were intelligent and because you were interested in me and because I really enjoyed spending time with you and cuddling. And I had a feeling that I couldn't really, like, that I didn't get from other people that I couldn't really understand. And I just kind of followed that feeling with you. Oh, that's really nice. I liked you because you were tall. <laughs> That's fair. How would you define love? Oh, that one's good for this whole conversation. I would define love as a constant conversation about how we want to live our lives and how we want to build our lives together. That is, that is really good. I define love as actions that you do that show the other person that you're choosing them. <laughs> you are acts of solidarity and uh, and words of action. Cool. 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 <laughs> what is your greatest accomplishment in life? Transitioning. <laughs> what is your greatest accomplishment in life? Buying a robot for my future cat. Ha 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 ha. Do you actually feel that way? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> when a conflict arises... How do you react? I turtle. I freeze up and I retreat into my shell and I don't come out until it's safe. See, I rush in and fix it. And neither one of those things are compatible with each other. So we struggle when there is conflict. Alright, I think that's enough of Random questions. Yeah, future scope. So, apparently... Intimate questions to ask your partner is not super not super cute. In- or- well, there's there's some intimate ones here. How about this one? Do you ever have dreams about sex? What specifically? Yes, I have dreams about sex all the time. Usually masturbating, which I find interesting. Like, I dream about masturbating. I have had some dreams about sex. I tend to have them more if I don't have sex. Yeah, if we don't have sex for a while, I dream about masturbating. And then yeah. I'm like, why am I not just masturbating? 
I don't. <laughs> I don't have dreams about masturbating. I always have like another person in it. <gasps> Cheater! Cheater dreams. You're almost always in it, <laughs> and often it's an anxiety dream about the fact that I'm cheating on you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I so I can't that. even enjoy. Like, <laughs> I can't even enjoy the sex in my dreams. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been our podcast. Do you have any uplifting news for us, Vicky? Robot. I mean, that's been your theme throughout this whole thing. Tell us about this robot. No, I'm going to tell you about... We're getting a cat! Yeah. We don't know when yet, but we have put everything in motion to go adopt a cat, and I'm really excited. We have a cat carrier, and we have a litter box. And I have a robot on the way. And, like, some future date that we don't know what it'll be because so, it's not out yet. I mean, if you if you have seen the internet in a while, there's this little robot called Verum, and it will... You load treats into it, and you can control it with an app, but you can basically set up little things for it to do with your with your animal, and then it'll give it treats periodically. So it, like, runs your animal around the house... And then gives it a treat, and then acts cute, and then gets it to chase it again. So your cat or your dog is playing with this robot throughout the day. And you can control it through an app, so you can like actually be playing with your animal. I don't really know if the cat's going to be able to deal with it, or if there's just going to be treats all over the house at the end of the day. Or if they're going to figure out how to like open it up and like get treats, just eat the treats or up. like... Trick it into giving it more treats, even though it's not actually interacting with it. Yeah, we'll see. And then maybe we'll get a Roomba. If we get a Roomba, we'll see, you know maybe the cat will be like, I don't want to play with the cat toy. I want to play with the Roomba. What's your good news? I'm going to a trans crafting group where we're all going to sit around and make, and make little crafts together. And it's going to be lovely because I'm just going to... Meet other crafters who are also going through their trans journeys. That sounds fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. And I'm really sad that you aren't going to be able to be there with me, but I am bringing my trans friend, I mean, accidentally. Like, they asked me if I wanted to go to this thing. I'm like, yeah, I was already planning on going. So we're going to meet up there, and it's going to be a nice time. And I don't usually get to see this friend that often, so it'll be fun. Yay! Well, thank you for potting with me. Well, thank you for struggling through. Yeah, sometimes it's just a struggle. You can find our shenanigans on the internet on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SheHerHersPod and send your thoughts, questions, and words of encouragement to SheHerHersPod at gmail.com. All music is by Tim Roscoe. You can find more information about Tim in the show notes. And we now have... A website! www.sheherhers.com Yay! It's only a landing page right now, but it's got all the links that are necessary. Only a landing page. It's a landing page. Holy moly. With a comic. With a comic that Aubrey drew by herself. That Vicky wrote. That I wrote. Yay! Yay! Bye.
I feel sex from a massage. Me too. Do it now. <laughs>